Hi, this is Anna Scheller, and you're listening to Black Belt Selling. Welcome to Black Belt Selling with Stephanie and Anna Scheller. I'm Anna. And I'm Stephanie. We are a mother-daughter team who are passionate about helping you grow your business through selling skills, through sales, all the things that help you grow your business. <laughs> uh, you can learn more about us by going to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash black belt selling. There we share content, there we encourage each other. Most importantly, there you will find out where our podcasts are becoming live. And now, not only do we have live podcasts, but we're also up on YouTube. And so uh, you can uh, find us there. So go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash black belt selling. And Stephanie, I am thrilled about this guest. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make that particular interview. I know the tables were turned for once. I know, right? I, I never miss an interview, ever. You don't. I do not have quite the flawless track record you do, but now, <laughs> now we're starting to become even. Yes, we are, but not to detract from our guest, who himself is a podcaster. His name is Stephen Warley. Now, Stephen is the host of the podcast, Life Skills That Matter, and get this. He says that he was happily unemployable for 10 years that it took him a while to embrace the threat to his work. Am I right? Or to his career? <laughs> pretty close, pretty close. Close, right? He's worked for himself for the past 17 years. And, and get this, we looked up his age because when you see, uh, when oh you're watching God. the video and you look so, at him. Okay, well, hold, hold on, I have to preface this. Okay. Anna goes, so how old is he, Steph? You know, watch the video. How old is he? And I said, I don't know, I think maybe late 20s, early 30s. And then we, we saw, we looked up his age, and we both said, what? <laughs> because for a young man, he is, uh, he is older than he looks. Is that the right, the, way, the right way to say it? I don't know. I don't know. Should we be saying this? He said he's going to listen to this part because he said this is the funniest part of the whole podcast. <laughs> Well, Stephen, I hope you're enjoying yourself because uh, <laughs> Stephanie told me what a wonderful, wonderful podcast that you had. I want to share, though, this one thing that he believes, that you believe, Stephen, and you are listeners. I want you to listen really carefully because everyone's story deserves to be told and everyone needs to discover their authentic story. And so, of course, we on Black Belt Selling, we believe that. We believe that when you come in touch with your passion, with your purpose, that you, you explode with great things. You are built for greatness. And so, um, Stephanie, uh, talk a little bit about the interview that you had with Stephen, because apparently, based on what I heard and saw, this was like an ongoing conversation you just happened to hit the record button with. We, that was pretty much, well, we, so we were, we were chatting and all of a sudden I was like, hold up, hold up, we've got to start the recording because we were starting to share like all of the good stuff. So, uh, Stephen and I did an interview on Stephen's podcast a few months ago, Life Skills That Matter. And I just, what I mostly remember was like, this guy was fun. Uh, <laughs> I get on podcasts sometimes and it takes like halfway through the podcast to really hit your groove. 
and like really relax and be able to have fun. And I didn't have that with this guy. It was just like, okay, we're recording. It's a podcast. Yay. Good times. And so we just kind of hit the groove and just started going. And, um, I really did think he was the same age as me. I really thought he was late twenties, early thirties. Um, I don't know if that matters or not. Probably doesn't. That's just still blowing my mind. Um, but then at the end of the podcast, as we were just chatting, you know, he was telling me about how he used to have a sales training practice. And I was like, oh, well, we should have you on our sales training, our Black Belt Selling Podcast. He was like, I would love to do that. And so we came on and one, I love that we got this perspective of somebody, of a sales trainer to come in and give us sales, but not just from a sales perspective, right? A sales training perspective. Like he's gone, he's stepped on to talk about more things and so I thought it was really cool how he brought in a different perspective that I don't think we've heard from our other guests on this show. Um, and so to me, that was, that was really cool. I, I ended up with like a whole page of notes and that was in between all the laughter and the having fun that we were, we were doing. Um, so I will go ahead and turn it over. I know you guys are excited to see what he has to say now. So we'll go ahead and turn it over to our guest, Mr. Stephen Worley. So Stephen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me for Black Belt Selling. Thank you so much for having me on because I had such an amazing conversation with you on my podcast, Life Skills That Matter. I said, I would love to come on your show. I mean, because I have so much, I would like to think some unconventional sales perspectives and advice to share. Right. Well, I mean, that was when we were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, first of all, we got along so well, which was helpful. That's always helpful. Um, good, good solid connection here. Yeah. <laughs> There has to be. Without that connection, I have done podcasts where me and the host are just on different pages. So it does happen. But I also I think like that's that's sales too. You're you're trying to fine tune in onto the right frequency. And also, I want to give everybody permission out there. If it's not happening, move on. This is not about selling ice to the Eskimos. That is 20th century sales. I am so glad you said that. That phrase annoys me more than almost anything else. It is a little dated. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend any. No, 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 no. But, but I'm glad you said like that's, it's, it's completely, I get sales guys who try and pitch themselves to me that way. Oh, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. And I'm like, well, if you're still selling ice to Eskimos, then maybe you should attend my sales training. Hold on. What? People actually pitch you to be on this show and they say that they're so good at sales that they use that phrase. Not on this, not on this show, but when like, for example, I'm hiring a sales rep right now. Okay. So, you know, of course you always end with, so why should we hire you? And like, you actually get, yeah, I know. I'm like, first of all, I mean, that, that was the thing that like, I always had this mentality like, oh my gosh, I, I never wanted to be in sales because I didn't, I felt sales was that the, the cheesy uh, car salesman, the insurance sales broker, like you're just going to be cranking out calls all day long, selling, trying to sell people on stuff that they really might not need, but you got to convince them. It's like, no way do I ever want to do that. I want to live with myself. That if you have to convince somebody to buy. No, then you haven't you done your homework. Exactly. You haven't done the beginning part of the sales process. You've you skipped over the entire, the first and most important step. So, so skip, speaking of skipping over important steps, um, <laughs> we kind of skipped this whole like, tell us who the heck you are and why on earth did we decide to have you on Black Belt Selling? Sure. Uh, so I think the, the shortest way to describe what I do is I am trying to prepare people for the future of work. And a big part of the future of work is not only that, are you going to be managing yourself? you're kind of going to have to be selling. You're going to be promoting. And, I, and the, the other way that I played hacked my brain on that is you're going to be communicating more about yourself. You have to really understand what it is that you need, 
how you give that to the world, what you're good at. And then you want to create that alignment. You're going to go out into the world to look for that target group of customers who really get what you want and can truly benefit it. You know, this is, it's kind of like, I like to think of sales now as dating, you know, you can't date everybody. You have to find the people who get you. So, so I run this company called life skills that matter because I have this unconventional business philosophy. Um, I was a sales trainer, say I've done sales and advertising and broadcasting. I got an MBA, but I believe the best way to teach people about business and sales is by teaching them about life skills first. That is the foundation of all, of all skills. I mean, how do you know how to learn about yourself? How do you know what you need to learn? How do you know how to learn how, how you best connect with others? You got to understand these life skills first. And the way that work is changing, it's changing so fast that hard skills are going to come and go, but life skills are durable. They're timeless. Yeah. Much agreed. Uh, I'm, I, um, so you basically teach people emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. I mean, it's about managing yourself, managing how you like to learn and managing your relationships with other people. And there's a lot to that. And, and it's crazy. I mean, these are the most important skills you can learn in life, but they are never systematically formally taught to us. It blows <laughs> my mind. Right? What? They just expect you to either figure it out for yourself or like that, that's really, that's it. And they've done all kinds of studies. It's the people who have those skills that create the top tier of the top tier of the top tier. Right. We know, well, we know salespeople in the U S sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. No, I just want to, cause I love, cause there's people listening to us right now who are like, Steven, that stuff can't be taught. I totally disagree. I was that person who once thought I would never be in sales. I would ever work for myself. And I learned these skills. They can be taught. There's a much larger population of people that can work for themselves, that can sell. But we've given them this blanket excuse that only certain special people who are naturally born with these abilities are able to do it. I call BS. (laughs) I'm going to agree with you. I don't think... I think the only thing that is static at birth, and even that I'm still debating with myself, is IQ. I, I think, I mean, I, I know they haven't proven that IQ can move, but but everything is, you create your life. That's always been my philosophy. You create your life, and every piece of it comes down to the choices you make, whether you are actively in sales, like it's the whole, everyone is in sales. It's whether you agree you're in sales or you disagree determines how successful you are at life. I don't remember who said that. Well, anytime like you want something and you're trying to communicate your need to somebody else, or you have this idea of something as simple, like you uh, went to lunch this week with one of your colleagues and you had it in your head that you really want to go to this one place and you know, they want to go somewhere else. So you negotiated that is sales. Right. Like you, you, you <laughs> want you know, lunch, dinner, you want kids to go to bed, everything, everything comes down to that. I mean, getting you to show up on this podcast, getting you to have me on your podcast, it all comes down to to finding what the other person wants and then arranging for them to get it in a way that becomes a win-win situation. It's not about them winning. It's not about you winning. Yeah. And it's, I, and the word I use in my head is like, I think of myself as an educator, facilitator, and a trainer. I no longer think of myself as a salesperson because that, that term just has a lot of baggage from the 20th century economy that when I just get into this mode of like, hey, I'm trying to educate people and I just want to find the right people. Like, I'm a, there's lots of people like me trying to help people work for themselves, right? Right. But we, and a lot of times, and I don't even, I don't believe I even have competitors. I believe I have my unique take on this and there's a group of people out there and thanks to the birth of the internet, 
It makes it a lot easier to find those people who are like, I like the way he says these things. I like how he talks. I just like his energy. And guess what? There's a whole truckload of people out there who are like, I cannot stand that guy. And that's okay. I'm not offended. I cannot help everybody because human beings get inspired and motivated by certain types of other human beings. And that's the dance that we're in. Right. I agree. And it's that whole piece of the pie versus endless pie mindset, right? Everyone gets a piece of the pie versus there's enough pie to go around. Just keep serving up the pie because, you know, we've got an oven. We can make more. <laughs> well, they, we just don't have to. I mean, large, enormous corporations have all that overhead right now. And now it's like, you know, I'm cool personally, like making about $125,000 a year. Great life. I'm just glad I have a guy who has simple tastes. And and I need X amount of clients to do that, just to sustain that. I don't need to have exponential growth. And I think we can see work. I, I see the mass market descending into infinite niches. And I think as more people can empower themselves and have the confidence to work for themselves, or I'd like to help you, uh, I think this is going to be a good thing. You know, there is plenty to go around. There really is. I mean, let me ask you a question. Are, are there a limited amount of jobs in the world? A limited amount? I don't believe there are, no. Well, I think you're going to be on my, on, my, on my page with this. Let me just continue okay. with this analogy. I think a lot of times people look in the scarcity fixed mindset of like, I'm only looking at, I can only get my income from jobs and there's, and I have to get oh, my job okay. from somebody else. Right? right. But you and I are like, cause we're in sales. We're like, um, how many problems are there in the world, Stephanie? <laughs> that would be why there's an unlimited number of jobs. <laughs> there you go. So if you look at the world as unlimited problems, unlimited, unfulfilled needs met, there is unlimited work. There's abundance. There's all kinds of stuff out there to solve. Yes. And get paid for. And, and see, that's the entrepreneur. And that's why entrepreneurs and salespeople end up doing, they, they become so much crossover because they are so freaking good at it. They really are because they're, they're constantly looking to solve problems. That's what makes a great salesperson. That's what makes a great entrepreneur. Um, I'm curious. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier. And then I was like, oh, we should probably have him introduce himself a little bit. Um, you talked about sales process. So we're all about sales process. You were a sales trainer. Obviously, you were teaching some variety of a process. What is the sales process that the top performers end up using? To me, I'll break it down to two things. They okay. do their homework and they are constantly reaching out. So doing your homework really means taking the time to understand who am I trying to reach and why? How are they feeling? Um, where can I find this information? Who can I talk to to paint as deep and rich a picture as possible? So I can almost understand themselves and their problem better than they can. You always want, like, you want to get to that level of like, I love now when people come to me and they're, they're like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, it's like you're inside my head. Like, yeah, because I've talked to hundreds of you over the years to really, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've almost heard it all before. So that's step one. And that will actually, believe it or not, that, that homework up front, doing the research, and I would even say thinking of ideas, setting up some prototypes, like really like doing that extra effort. It takes work up front, but it's going to save you a lot of time in the, in the long run. And it's going to make you stand out. Yeah. So step two is, always be reaching out, you know, it's, that just never ends. Um, and there's folks who are listening to us right now who are like, but I'm more of an introvert. What does that mean? I don't mean to like, there's not one size fits all reaching out to me. It's about, again, understanding you as a resource of like, what is your communication habit? Do you like to talk a lot? Do you like to listen more? Are you online, offline? How many events do you like to go to? So understand where you are in terms of the spectrum of introvert to extrovert and your preferred method for reaching out. Like if I could go to a conference every week, I probably would. 
Uh, that's just how I roll. I love in-person and being around that target audience. And I think when I was working when I'm with AEs, I always love the folks who are like, oh my God, I'm sweating, Steve. I'm not going to hit my quarterly goals. Right. And because people always look at the end of the process. Like, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I'm going to be honest with you. I know it sounds crazy. This is a little radical. I almost don't care about that. I spend like less than 10% of my time looking at the end of the process because the most important of the process is the beginning part of the process, the beginning of the sales pipeline. If you're not putting stuff in, stuff's not going to come out. So it's a very easy problem to solve when I ask them like, well, so how many new phone calls did you get? How many, how many networking events did you go to? Um, and they and they'd say no, nothing. I'm like, well, I can tell you why there's nothing coming at the end. Right. It's funny. You mentioned that I was actually, I was with a client, we were going over. So I always force my sales reps to track everything week over week. So they track their daily activity for their own stuff. Then they send it to me and I put it into a week over week tracker. Well, my assistant puts it into a week over week tracker for them. And, um, and then we go in and we look at the week over week tracker and it was hysterical because we were looking at it and you could see, okay, so about eight weeks back, there was a period of two weeks where there was a bunch of leads generated this week, but no middle activity. Next week, there was no leads generated and no middle activity. Two weeks later, sales tanked. And it was hysterical because they were sitting there and they're panicking. Of course, sales tank, everyone freaks out, tries to fix it. And so now, of course, we're back to where sales are doing well. And I'm like, don't slack off. Yes. If you could see me, people could see me on video right now. I'm getting very excited because I will tell you one of my secret sauce to sales is when things are going well, that's when I work harder. Yes, because that's that's always that. And I think that's the differentiator between the black belt and the white belt, right? The Mm. the black belt in sales has learned, hey, when things are going smoothly, work harder. Take advantage of that because what you've done is you built up that momentum. When things are going easy, and this was my mistake, you know, when I started sales was, oh, hey, I've closed a whole bunch of deals. I can chill for a few days. And also to add to the touchy feeliness of what it is that I do, just to, to, to really convince or sell people on this a little bit (laughs) when your things are going well people are going to sense your confidence they're going to sense your passion they're going to sense your enthusiasm and it's going to make the conversation so much easier like you've uh, we've all heard it's always easier to find a job when you have a job have a job yeah yeah. it's always better to it's always easier to get more new sales when things are going well because when your things aren't going well you, you, they can kind of feel the desperation on you. It's just kind of there. It's, it's on you. It's like stink. You know, even if you try to like mask it, it's there. That's exactly. I always tell everyone desperation stinks and we all have a nose. Like we can tell when you're desperate and no one wants to, and it's human nature, right? We've all been screwed over. We don't want to buy from someone who's desperate because we're assuming they're desperate for a reason. Maybe they're not good at what they do. Maybe they screwed people or whatever. And so we don't want to buy. So I always tell people, I'm like, watch out for that. You know, be really, really careful. I feel like we should pitch CNBC uh, a sales makeover show. We would kill it. <laughs> we could like, come on. It's like, it's because after a while you do this so much, it's like the areas of the problems are so obvious and they are also so easy to fix. If only you want to see them. You have the confidence to fix it and you turn it into a habit. This is not a to-do list item. I'm such a big believer. of like, this is not a to-do list item. This is not something you check off this week. The more you can turn your sales process into a habit and that's just the way you do things, you will be sustainably successful. 
I want to, I want to re, uh, reiterate what you just said there. You gave three, I was, cause I was literally about to ask you, okay, so what's the key here, Steven? <laughs> See it, have the confidence to be able to change it, to address it and make it a habit. And I think that was great. Cause I was, I was just, I was just about to be like, so what do we do? And you just, you just hit on all of them. So let's talk about that. How do they see it? What's, what, what are your keys when they're, when someone's struggling or maybe when they're doing well, but regardless. You have to, the most important life skill is self-awareness. We're not taught this. Again, this is the mechanism that you can actually learn about yourself. The person who, who is most invested in learning about you is yourself. And a very basic, um, you, you need some sort of writing habit or because we're in sales, we're tracking things. You have to be tracking things uh, your moods or, or just all of your different activities as you're advising your clients. And you have to be honest with yourself to like, look at the back at the end of the week and like I'm having a rough week. You need to look at the areas that were going well, not so well, or in the middle. And I think a lot of times we don't like to call ourselves out and it's not like we're like, it's the self doubt. And I'm like, you know, flogging myself, you know, and, and shame. But it's, it's, it's this idea that I always want to get a little bit better. Like, you know, there's always something I can improve. So it's more of like giving myself over to this curiosity to be like, ooh, what can I get a little better at? What was I struggling with this week? Or what do I need to kind of get back to basics on? It's always this, that's the one thing in life, especially in sales, we're always like, go, 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 fast, fast, fast. But really counterintuitively, we need to stop at least once a week to do some reflection to say, hey, what went right? What went wrong? Let's make, let's course correct. Now, I don't want to find out at the end of the quarter that something was going wrong. Right. Or, or three weeks. In, yeah. Because by the time, again, once you get start getting desperate, it's that whole, I actually just did an interview on this, talking about that, how I do journaling every week, every morning, I journal every morning. And then I do, I sit down and I glance back through and I'm like, where am I? And I've set triggers in my brain when I write down certain phrases that have a way of popping out. That's my trigger. Hey, whoa, 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 hold up. I need to slow down and I got to fix you know, whatever, what, find the trigger, find, or find the result, the, what's that thing called? The, the, the thing that starts it all. Find the real reason, the real cause, not right. The, right? the cause, um, the, the root. root. Yeah, the root, find the root and address it. Um, but it is, you, you have to have the writing habit, but you also have to have the evaluation habit. And I think that's where, the, that's where a lot of people who do have the writing habit fall down. They don't evaluate, they yeah. don't go back. And that's where, they're leaving so much money on the table and so much, uh, so much better quality of life. I mean, Can like I also just say about this evaluation, I think annual, biannual reviews are dumb. And here's why. Things are changing too fast and right. you're evaluating somebody based on their past when we should be doing this on a much more regular basis, daily, weekly, monthly. And I, I just want to throw that into the universe and, and give some sales manager the confidence to be like, yeah, I, it's such a waste of time. Why are we doing this anymore? You have to build that in. There has to be a habit of tracking. There has to be a habit of evaluation on a regular basis because things are just changing too quickly. Well, and I, I remember uh, when I was in sales, I would watch, there were a lot of my coworkers that just really didn't sell and they didn't really get in trouble until once a month at their commission check meeting. And once a month is even too late. Like that's the part people don't get is once a month check-in, especially in sales. I mean, even here's the deal. And I, I want to gonna harp on this one because I'm here's my soapbox. Um, even if you're selling big stuff, right? You're selling a you're six figure sales. You still have to be checking in way more often than once a month, once a quarter, because things continue to change. 
Like, I don't care how big your sales are. And especially if you're selling something smaller that you should be selling, you know, daily, you have got to keep yourself up on that. That's just, I get so tired of people who sit there and they go, well, you know, once a month we'll check in. I'm like, oh, so you don't really care about the future of your business. Is that what I'm hearing? Like, what? So thank you for hitting on that because that's kind of a sore subject for me. I know we packed this and I know we're going to have to wrap up soon. One thing I would love to leave people on this note, if, it's, if, I, if I may, you know, I'm somebody again who never thought he would ever sell because I learned how to design sales in a way that it worked for me and everybody can do it. You get to do your own version of communicating with others and solving your problems. And even if you are a, a self-identified introvert or somebody who is a creative, there is a way to fashion how you're going to reach out to the world. We all have to do it. If you, especially if you're a creative, you don't have to be a starving artist. Right. So just, I just want to let you know that this is possible. What you think of sales, what has been taught to us as a society does not have to be the version for you. And guess what? It was the version that really was really never effective in the first place. I, I agree 100 times 100%, whatever that would be. That's you're so right. And I think that is something people get caught up in is trying to do what worked for someone else or trying to sell the way someone else sells. And it's, it's gotta be, you know, I'm sure they've heard this before. I'm sure you've heard people buy you at whatever level they buy you. And if you're trying to sell someone else, you're going to struggle. Right. And one, let me add is they're buying you, they're buying the product and now they're buying your enthusiasm for their mission. Again, they will smell it. If you're not into their mission, if you can't find it in your heart, you've got to go on to the next client where you are in alignment. I worked with a broadcast AEs where they could have called on any number of industries, different types of advertisers. First question I would always ask them, what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? Because I want you to narrow in on those categories again, because they will sense that confidence. They're going to sense your authentic interest in them and their mission. And they're going to want to buy, buy from you because of that. And if I wish to high heavens that people would under, would, would wrap their head around this, you truly do make more money when you target, you truly do make more money when you target your sales. And so many people, especially startups uh, are sitting there going, I just got to take on anything, everything. I made $600,000 a year from a, a potential target group of fewer than 50 clients. This is what I teach people. I call it the niche tribe model. It's about you becoming the expert for X, for what tribe. And it's usually try to do it like less than a thousand because again, we're not, we don't have to be big corporations. Like you can have a nice living making six figures, doing what you're good at, what you like um, 30 hours a week. I think most people would be into that business model compared to everything else being sold out there on the internet of like how you can make a hundred thousand dollars a month, how you can be a millionaire inside of three months. I think most people really just don't want to do that. They don't. They re- I, I very, very much agree. Um, Steven, this has been really awesome to have you here. Uh, this Thanks for taking a chance on me. I really appreciate it. Just, we, obviously, we just have so much fun talking to each other. Like, let's keep talking because it's, you're fun. We, I, I And agree. super smart. Listen to this woman. Oh, hey, you're, you're so kind. Um, but no, I, I agree. We definitely need to stay connected. We need to hook up in some of the same groups here so we can, we can hang out. Because um, guys, Stephen, how, if we have some of our listeners who are wanting to get a hold of you, where do they go? How do they get in touch? Um, you can go to lifeskillsatmatter.com slash get started. I have a whole bunch of free resources. Even if you're just loosely thinking about working for yourself or you just want to start learning how to manage yourself a little bit better, I would definitely start there. Lifeskillsatmatter.com slash get started. 
Awesome, cool. Well, and as always, guys, I know we'll be mentioning this in just a minute in the commentary, but you can also join us at the Facebook group, and maybe I can convince Stephen to hop on over and join us in the Black Belt Selling Facebook group as well. So uh, again, this was awesome. We sh we should definitely we'll have to have you back when uh, when Anne is actually available to join us. <laughs> That'd be fun. I want to like talk to mom here. Yeah, let's see. What <laughs> I want her to grill me. Yeah. Right. Yes. That would. Yeah, because she knows how to grill. She's uh -huh. not progressive like that. We'll say that, which is. But those are the ways you got to watch out for the quiet, like well researched, like you know, the silent jab. And all of a sudden, you're like, Where'd that come from? But thank you so much. Really <laughs> appreciate the opportunity. It was awesome. Stephanie, I am so jealous that I missed that. Ah, oh, the one. I mean, we have a lot of great guests, but you know, Stephen does rank up there at one of the top. Now, I love. Going back, I loved what he had to say about sales and dating because I often I often use the story of how I snagged your father, and I compare it a lot to sales. But his his story's not quite the same. Yeah, a little different. So let, let's talk just a little bit about why sales is like dating, and what. Yeah, I thought that was really important because it is something that people kind of skip over, right? We. Um, we oftentimes get into this concept of whenever you're doing product development. So I know we have a lot of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs listening to the show as well as our sales reps. And so our solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, I think are familiar with this concept of, you know, you can't be everybody, everything to everybody. And so they come up with a service or a product that isn't everything to everybody. And so they, they come up with a service or a product that, you know, is for this niche or what is what do you call niche tribe model, right? So under a thousand people. So they find, they find a small amount of people, and, uh, and so we, we do this all the time in targeting for product and service sales. I don't think we do this from the perspective of the sales rep very often though, mm. of like, I can't, as a salesperson, I can't sell to everybody and that's okay. And I thought that was, I don't know. I really like that. Cause I think that's something that we, we never really touch on. Well, and I think too, especially solopreneurs, they tend, we all tend to start out with, you know, I can reach everybody. And even in my own businesses, I've discovered that in order to, to be able to properly service the people who will really appreciate what I can do for them, I have to narrow down the prospect pool, if you will, you know, the gene pool, so to speak. So it's really important that we realize that our, our, our prospects, it's not the world. It is a certain group of people that have that need and can appreciate and are willing to pay for those services. Not to get you discouraged, but just understand there are people out there that want to pay you for what you're valuable, what you're worth, and you need to be paid that. If you're not, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, there's going to be resentment. There's going to be hard feelings, and you're not going to want to service that person very well. So, uh, yeah, th that's such an important one. Now, I love to, I think this is a tough one for a lot of people because once we make a sale, let's face it, we all want to sit back and go, <sighs> you know, I can relax back. But that's not what he recommended. No, he was talking about be constantly reaching out. Um, and I like how he went from, hey, you know, learn your market, this whole, you know, think of sales like dating, you can't date everyone. Um, to, you know, so you learn your market and then once you know who they are, be constantly reaching out to them. It's not about a one and done. We don't live in that world anymore. You know, that maybe there was a time when you could have just reached out one time, gotten the sale and moved on, but 
you know, and, and I joke all the time, and it's only partially a joke about uh, <laughs> how many scammers there are out there. You know, and there are there's people out there who are just out there to get their commission check and and, and go home, and it just doesn't work anymore. You know, people are getting way too smart, way too savvy about all this stuff. They're, they, they, they need to know that one, you know what you're doing, and two, that you're going to be there for them long term. So I thought that was that was that was a key. Like that was that was my big takeaway. This be constantly reaching out is like okay because of what it does for you. Yes, it increases the sales, but think about what it does for your your client too. Well, Stephanie, really, that really gets back to something that's probably been a, a part of good salesmanship for a long, long time. Like when we talked to Ben Gay, he talks about being the lifetime part of the family, so to speak. Yeah. And, we, you know, we want to, we don't have time to go into it, but there's the lifetime value of a customer. There's the person who can bring you referrals. There's the person who's got family that can use you or that you can upsell product to. And it's not about the transaction. It's about the relationship. Right. But, um, you know, to kind of wrap things up, he talked about three very important keys. Uh, what were those again? So I love how those three important keys were one to see it. Um, and the idea get him to break that one down. Right. So it's, you know, see it, have confidence to fix it, make it a habit. Um, but I love how his point was, you know, for the most part, self-awareness is one of those most important life skills that most of us don't have. And we've been raised right with these phones. And so where do we spend most of our time right here? Just yeah. looking at the screen not necessarily even paying attention to what's going on in our own heads and our own bodies. And that's something which I, I thought was interesting because over the past few weeks and months, I've been spending a lot of time and energy on this EQ concept, um, the emotional quotient concept. And it's made a big difference because it's made me very much more self-aware. And when you become self-aware, then you can self-regulate. Um, and I loved his tip about journaling, you know, journal to, to, become self-aware because I think that is everyone's like, well, how do I become self-aware? Cause when I get into those moments, I'm just not paying attention. Well, the journaling is <laughs> really. So we're sleepwalking in our, in our, during the day is what you're saying. Yes, basically. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, and you know, that becomes a problem when it starts to hold you back from accomplishing what you want to accomplish in life. And yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, it's um, journaling something that I've just picked back up. And as I've spent time journaling, probably the last year, I've really spent time really evaluating what's gone well, what needs to be um, improved. And I love how you were talking about the trigger words, but I've just found that I, I get more grounded and when I'm more grounded, I'm calm. And when I'm calm, like we had a situation today that threatened to create a big chaos here in my office. And I just thought, well, you know, I was headed out for a walk. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. So it was about hundred degrees here. Uh, and I went out on my walk and I thought, this is what I need to do. But when I go home tonight, I'll journal about it. How did I handle it? How did we resolve the problem? Which we did. We got the problem resolved and we resolved it by simply becoming self-aware and ex looking at different things but journaling is so so important and if you're not sure how to do it what's the best way to get started Steph? um really the best way to get started is so don't do this like i know people who are like i have to go out and get a cool journal okay well if you have to go out and get a cool journal and go get a cool journal but 
for the most part, you know, just get a, you know, little, um, what are, what are these, just one of these stupid little notebooks, right? And just start journaling somewhere. Because that's kind of like, to me, that, well, I got to go get a great, great journal before I can start journaling. That's almost like the, well, I have to wait until New Year's before I can start losing weight. And then you don't end up losing any weight. So, you know, just, just start. And it doesn't take, you know, you sit down and you, you write down, I think this is stupid. I don't see how this is going to help me. I'm also thinking that I have a lot to get done today. Like that can literally be your first journal entry. Go for it. It doesn't have to be complicated. And, and set a time for yourself. Set a time. I'm only going to do this for five minutes. And before you know it, you're going to be doing it for 15, 20 minutes. And um, I, I've started doing something called a five-minute journal, which has been very helpful because it gives you focused questions. And I love one of those questions. I occasionally throw it out on Facebook. So what would make today great? That's, you know, that gets you expecting and looking forward to stuff. But that's, you know, that's just one thing and for journaling. I mean, there's just so, so much there. And then he said well, something about fixing. Oh, so having the confidence to fix it. So, you know, it's one thing to see the problem, but it's another thing to actually go out and, and actually fix it. And I think we commented on, I commented on that with Steven. And that was, that was another big takeaway. It was like, sometimes you can see the problem, but we don't always have the strength or the confidence to go fix it. And that's another, that's another big key. Um, I do think this was a great interview. I really enjoyed having Steven on the show. I would love to have him back. Um, maybe then you and I can both interview him. What a thought. What, what a, a thought. thought. What a and uh, Steven, so, I'm really sorry I missed your interview. Uh, but um, if you're willing to have both of us on, we could have a, if you thought Stephanie was fun, you ought to get the two of us together because we are a hoot. Right, Steffi? <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, if you couldn't tell by now, I don't know what else we can do. But I will encourage our listeners, if you're interested in connecting with Stephen, make sure you do go to lifeskillsthatmatter.com forward slash get started. I know he has cool tools available. I know he happens to have a really cool podcast. So just saying. Uh, you could also come hang out with Anna and I in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash black belt selling. We post cool stuff. We have cool people who post cool stuff. It's just overall coolness. So come be cool with us. Exactly. <laughs> In the meantime, I do want to encourage you guys to uh, go out there. And I'm going to use your, your question here to end it, Anna. You know, we are, we are all on this journey to become black belts of life. What would make today and this week and next week truly great? Go make it happen. <laughs>